0: introduce the message this morning, I'd like to invite us to travel back to the days of our early childhood when um, perhaps we're in kindergarten, and uh, we're going to play a game we're gonna play a game of what is missing. And so I'm gonna show some pictures on the screen and I'm gonna invite you to tell me what is missing from the picture. And so if we can uh, put that first picture up on the screen and uh, take a look at that. Uh, well, w- what's missing in this picture? Okay, there's a tire missing, very good, good. Let's go to the next picture. Okay, what, what's missing in this particular picture? a wing right right we're missing a wing in this picture okay let's go to one more picture what's what's missing in this picture okay a rope we're missing a rope in this picture and so in all three of these pictures we've seen that we're missing something something is lacking And the reason I am using this game to introduce the message today is because the passage of Scripture that we're looking at today is about something that is missing or lacking. And so I'd invite you to open in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 24 to 29. Colossians, chapter 1, verses 24 to 29. I'd like to read that passage for you, and I'd like to invite you to stand as we have God's word read in your hearing. Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 29, it says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, for the sake of his body, which is the church Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word this morning, I pray your Holy Spirit would guide my words and I would be faithful to what you've given us through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit here in the book of Colossians. And I pray for each person here, all of my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ as they hear this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit might illuminate their hearts with your truth. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, we can notice a number of things as we look at this passage. And the first thing we can notice is what I've already mentioned, and that is in this passage, something is missing or lacking. And so if we look at verse 24 again, it says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, for the sake of his body, which is the church. And that's a pretty dramatic statement to fill up in his flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. How is it possible that there can be anything lacking in the afflictions of Christ? I mean, I like to just uh, turn to a few passages. You can stay in Colossians if you wish. I'm, I'm going to look at Hebrews 7.25 first. And Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So how can anything be lacking if he's able to save to the uttermost? And then uh, 1 John 1, 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. And so if the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, how can anything be lacking in the afflictions of Christ? And then still in 1 John, 1 John 2, 2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And so if Jesus Christ is the propitiation for the sins of the whole world, How can anything possibly be lacking in the afflictions of Christ? Jesus Christ bore all of the sufferings that all of the entire human race could endure throughout all of eternity in the lake of fire. He did that as he hung on the cross because he is infinite as God the Son in the flesh. And so as the eternal Son of God was able to bear an eternity of suffering in a finite amount of time, so how can anything be lacking in the sufferings of Jesus Christ? and perhaps we can get a better idea of what exactly is lacking if we see what Paul talks about being done to fill up that which is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. So back in Colossians chapter 1 verse 24 we see that whatever that thing is that is lacking Paul fills it up in his flesh. He says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. And so Paul is doing something that is filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. And what exactly is it that Paul is doing? And to answer that, we can jump down to verse 28. Paul tells us in verse 28 what he does to fill up that which is lacking or missing in the afflictions of Christ. In verse 28, he says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And so, according to verse 28, Paul preaches, warns, and teaches, and that preaching, warning, and teaching fills up what is lacking. In the afflictions of Christ. The afflictions of Jesus Christ are sufficient to save everyone who puts their faith in him. But the afflictions of Jesus Christ do not bring the news about the afflictions of Jesus Christ to those who do not know about him. No one can put their trust in Jesus Christ Without hearing about him and what he's done on our behalf. In the book of Romans, chapter 10, and verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear? without a preacher. So by preaching, warning, and teaching, Paul supplies the necessary link between the Savior, whose blood is sufficient to save everyone who puts their faith in him, and people who need to put their faith in the Savior. It's kind of like um, a computer power cord. So I have a desktop computer in my office. It's got a power port cord in the back of it. And uh, then I've got a wall outlet. That wall outlet has all the power that's needed to power that computer. But if I don't have the power cord that's connecting the computer with the outlet, then the power does not flow from the outlet to the computer and make the computer function. And in the same way, Jesus Christ has supplied all of the um, propitiation, all of the satisfaction of God's righteous demands upon sinners in order to secure the eternal salvation of everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. But if someone has no idea that Jesus Christ exists, they have no idea that he has paid the penalty for their sins, they have no idea that they can call upon him in faith, then the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on their behalf does not benefit them. They are lacking in the fulfillment or filling up the afflictions of Jesus Christ on their behalf. And providing that link involves suffering. Back in Colossians 1, verse 24, once again, I'll read it. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul experienced suffering as he fulfilled what was lacking, as he proclaimed the good news about Jesus Christ to those who needed to hear about him. Shouldn't be too surprising if we look at 2 Timothy 1 and verse 8. He says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Sharing the good news about Jesus Christ brought suffering to Paul. And if we join in that ministry, if we join in sharing the good news about Jesus Christ with others, it will involve suffering for us as well. One reason it'll involve suffering is because the devil and his demonic hosts are opposed to the good news of Jesus Christ going out, and they will bring all of the weapons available to them in their arsenal to bear against God's people in order to try to prevent them from sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. And they'll bring weapons like shame you know, people will think less of you. They'll think you're some kind of fanatic. Lessons, they'll bring things like fear. There'll be things like guilt. How can you tell people about Jesus Christ when you're not perfect? Uh, What will they think of him when they look at you? And so they will try to silence you by whispering lies into your ears. And another reason that bearing the good news about Jesus Christ will involve suffering is because fallen people oftentimes would rather live in sin than be delivered from sin. And so in many cases, for a time there will be a resistance and that resistance may harden and grow. And so wicked people we'll try to silence the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and that can take place on many levels. on maybe, you know, a not so horrible level, many years ago, i had a young friend, he was a follower of Jesus Christ. his fa- his father was not a follower of Jesus Christ. i'm going to call my young friend Jimmy. Jimmy was eager to share the good news about Jesus Christ with his father. And uh, as he did that, uh, his father said, well, you know, you can't, you can't really believe the Bible because the Bible says that Jesus is the only Son of God, but it says that we're sons of God, and so the Bible contradicts itself. And... Uh, Jimmy said, well, you know, Dad, uh, Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, the eternal Son of God. He's God in the flesh. He's existed from all eternity past as God the Son. But we're the adopted children of God, that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're adopted into God's family. And Jimmy's dad said to him, oh, so you're adopted, huh? You're adopted. You're a little cabbage patch kid now on, I'm just going to call you my little cabbage patch kid. And his father mocked him mercilessly because he had explained that as people who put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're adopted children of God through faith in him. And then, you know, there's a little higher level. Uh, One of our missionaries I'm going to call him Timothy because we're broadcasting this over the internet and people all over the world are listening to it. He and his family were uh, living on a small island and they were bearing the good news about Jesus Christ there. And the people on that island, by and large, belonged to another religious group. And among the many people on that island, the majority, the vast majority of the people on that island that belonged to another religious group was his father-in-law. And over the course of time, his father-in-law became more and more irritated with the fact that Timothy was bearing the good news about Jesus Christ. And so finally, the father-in-law began to agitate more and more powerfully for the persecution of Timothy, And he eventually agitated so powerfully for the uh, persecution of Timothy. And when we're talking about the persecution of Timothy, we're talking about the fact that there's a militant group on this island that uh, would consider it their God-given duty to kill Christians. And the father-in-law begins agitating for this militant group to kill his son-in-law. And so Timothy and his family and, you know, his wife and his children, they had to flee the island and go to a city many, many hours away in order to avoid being killed. They had to flee. And then at a higher level, last August 14, there was a Christian gentleman in West Bengal, in India. He was the only Christian in his entire family. And uh, I tried to pronounce his name and I could not do it. So he's Matthew. Um, Matthew was the only Christian in his family and he was faithfully bearing witness for Jesus Christ. And uh, Matthew was married, he had grown children, and um, as he was bearing witness for Jesus Christ, um, it became difficult for his family to have him around, but his daughter was getting married, so he came back for the wedding, and as he's there for the wedding, the family sets upon him and beats him and injures him quite significantly, But he manages to get away. And then on August 14, the most recent August 14, he is in church on a Sunday morning in a nearby village. And his family comes into the church, and they beat him again, and they drag him out of the church, and they drag him to their home. And a mob gathers, and the mob drags him from his home into the nearby forest and they pour gasoline over him and they light him on fire. And he burns to death. And so he suffers because of his witness for Jesus Christ. And as we bear witness for Jesus Christ, we may face varying degrees of suffering as we are faithful to him. It's not easy to bear the good news for Jesus Christ. And if you faithfully bear the good news for Jesus Christ, sooner or later you will suffer in varying degrees. But though it's not easy to bear witness for Jesus Christ, although bearing witness for Jesus Christ involves suffering, it also brings joy. Back in Colossians 1.24... I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul rejoices in his suffering. And the gospel brings joy because it is good news. It frees from sin and eternal death. It gives new life. It rewards those who Who bear it. When my family and I were in Norway, it was quite common that on a Friday night we would go to a small town near our home, and um, we would bring a couple thermoses of coffee. And as people passed by on the streets, we would say, Would you like a cup of coffee? And a significant number of people would say, sure. And they'd stop, and we'd pour them a cup of coffee, and uh, we'd sit there and drink coffee, and they'd sit there and drink coffee. And um, after a while, many of them would say, why are you doing this? And we'd say, well, we're just passing out coffee, and we're talking to people about God. And one week a guy came by and he took a cup of coffee and asked, why are you doing this? And we said, hey, we're passing out coffee and talking to people about God. And, and uh, he chatted for a few minutes and uh, we gave him a gospel track and he left. And uh, the next week he was back. This guy's name was Johnny and that really was his name, which is unusual because Johnny is a really unusual name for a Norwegian, but nonetheless, his name was Johnny. And uh, and uh, Johnny came back the next week, and he was so excited. And Johnny said, last week, when I came by here, I was planning to go home and kill myself. And he said, but, you know, we chatted for a while, and you gave me that little booklet, and uh, I went home, and I threw the booklet on the nightstand, and I decided to go to sleep instead of killing myself. And so... I uh, I went to sleep and the next morning I woke up and I picked up the book off the nightstand and I read it and I called on Jesus Christ for salvation. And I am so happy. And I was so excited that later that day I saw my best friend and I gave him the booklet. I said, this is so great. You need this. And I gave it to him. I need another booklet, and Johnny was rejoicing, and my friend Joe and I who were there, we were rejoicing, and scripture tells us that there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents, and you know, the first time I read that, I read it as the the angels of God rejoice when a sinner repents. But that's not what it says. It says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. Because God is in the presence of the angels of God. And God is rejoicing when a sinner repents. And so Johnny rejoiced. Joe and I rejoiced. God, and I'm sure the angels too, rejoiced. Because Johnny had come to faith in Jesus Christ. Psalm 126.6 applies to us as we are bearers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says, He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bearing his sheaves with him. Now, we also see in this passage that we're looking at this morning that this good news is a stewardship. In verse 25, it says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. And a stewardship is when something valuable is entrusted to someone so that they can use that valuable thing to accomplish the purposes of the one who has entrusted that valuable thing to them. To kind of get an example of what it means to be a steward, I can turn to uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 42 and 43. It said, And the Lord said, When then is that faithful and wise steward? whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So the servant is given a task to do on behalf of the master, and the master rewards the servant for fulfilling the task that he has given him. And God has entrusted the good news about him To us, the good news about Jesus Christ is more valuable than anything else in the world. It's more valuable than silver and gold, more valuable than fast cars or yachts or uh, private jets or anything else that is anywhere in the world. It can take sinners who are bound for the lake of fire and make them into saints. Bound for the golden streets where they can rejoice in God's presence for all of eternity. And so we are stewards. We've been entrusted with something precious to use on behalf of the one who's entrusted it to us. And the good news is also a mystery in verses 26 and 27. It says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And in the Bible, a mystery is something which has previously been hidden, which is now revealed. A mystery is often foreshadowed, but as the mystery is foreshadowed, it's foreshadowed in a cryptic manner that is best recognized from hindsight. A good way of expressing this that I've heard, uh, talking about the Old and the New Testaments, says that the uh, new is in the old concealed, and that the old is in the new revealed. For example, we can think of Psalm 1610. And in Psalm 1610, It says, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. And that was a prophecy of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even the disciples, Jesus' own disciples, couldn't understand what Jesus was talking about when he told them, that he was going to die and rise from the dead. And they wondered, what on earth is he talking about? We have no idea what he's saying. But after Jesus rose from the dead, then the disciples understood what he had been talking about. And Colossians 1.26 tells us that this mystery, this mystery about the eternal Son of God coming to die, to bear the sins of mankind and rising again to give them a new life, that this mystery has been revealed to his saints. Verse 26 again. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. And when we're talking about the mystery being revealed to saints, we're not talking about saints meaning super-Christians. The proud, the super-Christians, you know. uh, But... uh, talking about it being revealed to all of God's people. Because the word saints means holy ones. It means everyone who has been made holy through faith in Jesus Christ. That when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And suddenly, we are no longer sinners. We are saints. We are holy, fully acceptable and. God's eyes so that if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ you are a saint and if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ then this mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ this thing that was hidden and has now been revealed has been entrusted to you if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ you are a steward of the gospel of Jesus Christ we have been entrusted with this valuable thing that people around us need. And we're to use this valuable asset that's been entrusted to us in order to accomplish the purpose for which God has given it so that people can call upon Jesus Christ and so, in faith and be drawn, be, be reunited with God through faith in him. And so in harmony with verse 27, God has willed to make known to you what are the riches of the glorious of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And in harmony with verse 28, God wants you to proclaim this truth, warning every person and teaching every person in all wisdom that you may present every person perfect in Jesus Christ. And in harmony with verse 29, God wants you, God wants us to labor and strive according to his working, which he works mightily in us. And so the afflictions of Jesus Christ have secured eternal salvation for all who will put their trust in him. But no one can put their faith in Jesus Christ without hearing about him. The good news about Jesus Christ has been entrusted to us. We are stewards. The good news was hidden in the past but has now been revealed to us and entrusted to us so that we can share it with others. And so may God speak powerfully through us so that many hear and come to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of our testimony. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to bear the penalty for our sins and to rise again to give us new life so that we can be reconciled to you. through faith in your Son. And Lord, thank you for making us your ambassadors, for entrusting your message to us so that we can speak on your behalf and implore people to be reconciled to God through your Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bind the forces of the evil one who seeks to frighten us, seeks to intimidate us, seeks to shame us, seeks to silence us. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with boldness, with courage, with wisdom, that you would put words in our mouth, That you would use us. That we would be willing to join in suffering with your son who has suffered on our behalf in order that people might be reconciled to you through faith in him. I pray in the name of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen thanks for listening we hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith if you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377